This is Dave. This is Reese. And this is Manic Joy, a podcast about life, love, and, and uncertainty. Well, hello, hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Manic Joy. This is episode two of season two, and this is the grief episode. I promise you it's going to be hilarious. Yeah, you're going to really, really. You're going to grief it up. It's going to, it's going to be a laugh riot. Real good time. Going to have some fun. Boing. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, Reese, oh, boing. Reese, 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 Reese. So. Reese rhymes with grief. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've had some whiskey before this. Little episode You'll notice that is, is the new notes for you for this episode. I saw that. In case you were wondering and you needed to write down your, your surprise question. I'm just going to, I'm going to wing it. You're going to wing it today? You never know when grief is going to happen, so. Oh, it could happen during this session. This session. It was, it was windy. <laughs> I felt that. I have to put a sweater on. <laughs> All right, start things that start with S. One of them is simulation. Oh boy! So the the, the stuff has really been going crazy. So let's just give you a taste of what we're talking about here. We decided we were going to do this episode two on grief. That was going to be our topic of choice for this episode. We got into the car the other day. We hadn't listened to podcasts in a while, but we have been listening to the Office Ladies podcast. We put that on and randomly. Guess what the episode was about? It was a look back at grief counseling. Grief counseling. <laughs> and we were like, whoa. I mean, I'm, I can't say I'm surprised because I've been talking about the fact that we've been living in a simulation for quite some time now. You have. And although I do get mocked for it, I think you're starting to believe me a little bit. You do. No, I, I've never, you don't get mocked for it. <laughs> you think you get mocked for it? Mm. Please, you get mocked for some things, but for all the things, simulation. but some of this, but like you see what I'm saying. I think a lot of it is so I'm 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 in the middle of it's either like manifesting, like if all you think about is blue cars, that's all you're gonna see right. is blue cars, right. or we are legitimately in some sort of simulation or like another dimension. I just I. Okay, and, and we let's talk really quickly. Go ahead. Go ahead about the fact that I can't stop watching TikToks. I'm not ashamed of it, and I don't care. And this is what I this is the mindless thing that I need to do sometimes to decompress. It used to be vines, used to be YouTube vines, whatever. Now we have the TikToks, and I can't stop watching these. It's just my algorithm keeps. I watch one or two videos, and now it's all of these conspiracy theories on simulation. simulation. There's like a Joe Rogan about simulation just kind of like popped up and I'm like, Oh my God. And then, then all these, and then someone explained it. Like they explained it where it's like, you have like a, like a Sharpie and you have like a stack of like paper yeah, and you can like draw like with a pencil, draw a little body on this flat piece of paper. But then you take the Sharpie and you stick it in the brain and, or like the head of the little like stick figure that you drew and it bleeds through the other papers. So you can have this one dimensional body, but your brain has all these other layers 
And uh, you had to watch the video. It was, yeah. a, it so, was just no, talking you, you, about like you, the simulation aspect that right. it's not so, our bodies that this is, this have it. It's in our brains. So, I, you know, I don't know anything about the simulation thing. We're talking about a fringe type of thing <laughs> here, though, right? So right. I, I, you talked about like the blue cars, right? Like, so yes. I don't think like that stuff is simulation right that's that that makes sense to me right like you you're looking for a new car you start to see the car that you're thinking all about getting all over the right. place because you're right. you're more attuned to it like exactly. i get that type of thing but it's the thing that's like what we're talking about here today where hey we're gonna do this thing and, and then, then all of these other things start of... to line up now here's where it gets weirder though we were taking a trip we were driving someplace and we were heading toward new hampshire <laughs> this was right? crazy yeah and so in the episode the grief counseling episode it's called that because, what was his name? Ed Truck. Ed Truck dies, and he gets decapitated, and that's how he dies in the episode. And they're talking about that. And, and you should know who Ed Truck is if you watch the right. show. So we're not going to get into that. No. But, so as we're driving, you know when people do like the graffiti and they do their, what do they, they call them, tag names, they right? They tag. They yeah. tag somebody's tag name, and we saw it multiple times, as, was, as we're driving, yeah. right after we heard that thing, and the tag name was Decap. And I've never actually noticed it before, but now I see it everywhere. I saw you it saw today. Decap? Well, I yeah, because today. we're in the same place. I mean, that I'm was... just saying, I've never noticed it before. Well, we never... And it could have yeah. been there. Okay, I mean, sure, it could have. Yeah, I guess so. But we're never over there. I mean, it's not like we're there all the time. But, but yeah, it, it just seemed, you know, convenient. As they're talking <laughs> for about who, for who I don't know it was convenient, right. but like it, it's crazy when when stuff like that happens. And then something else happened, and I can't remember what it was, or else I would have wrote it as a note to remember. But we got home. Oh, and we watched the grief counseling episode. Oh, we but did, then there Dave. was something Dave. else, and then I put yeah. it on. But then there was something else that yeah. happened that yeah. I was like, "What is going on?" Yeah, it was very strange. And yeah, there's been other moments of that happening so much lately of it. that that it's just kind of like, "Whoa," yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, welcome to grief. Welcome. I mean, you can't really escape grief anyway. I mean, it's going to be, it's everywhere. Um, and everybody experiences it in, in different ways. And how they handle it is also very different, very different. right? So I think both you and I have very <laughs> different ways to handle yes. grief. So yes. we'll, let's, let's, let's start talking about that. So grief, for our purposes here today, is defined as... Deep sorrow, especially that caused by someone's death. So, Reese, my first question to you then would be, what is your earliest memory of experiencing grief? So, one of my favorite things is the, uh, what, you know, the the old adage, what doesn't kill you makes you Imagine, imagine you were like, one of my favorite things is when people is die. Grief. Is when I people love die. Grief. I love I that. adore grief. I drink, <laughs> I drink grief. Um, For breakfast. No, right. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's not that. It's, uh, mine is what, uh, what doesn't kill you makes you have. Makes you forget. No. <laughs> <laughs> makes you, it's something along the lines of like, makes you have all sorts of trauma and of like funny personality or one of those things. Like it's like my, my trauma and my grief kind of, my mechanism is to just always revert back to, to humor because that's the only way that I can handle. Okay. So that's the that's, stuff. So that's dealing with grief. So, right. So my, I would say my earliest memory 
I, I, I talk about this all the time and I talk about it very freely to anybody that listens uh, to me and the, I've, to- I know, I know I've told the story and I've told the story on, on this before. Yeah, yeah, okay. uh, when my grandfather okay. uh, uh, died yeah. and I was very close to him, like, like super close. Like he was agoraphobic, never left the house, very sickly, but strong personality, yeah. like little old man in the chair with the oxygen tank, uh, but always had a lot, it, like he had all these like power moves power moves he had like a wad of cash always on the side of his chair he had a bb gun that he used to kill flies in the basement with and he would get them let me tell you something he was in the army he was not from this country he came here he was a tailor joined the army had an honorable discharge but he joined he had no trigger finger don't even ask how he lost the finger and why he wanted to join the army but they took him and he was a tailor and he was just like his personality was engaging had a super smart guy I don't think he graduated high school but how he shot the flies on the wall with the bb gun I will never understand like he had no trigger finger so I don't know, but I used to find the little pellets everywhere and dead flies everywhere. Don't ask. Anyway, he, but I, he was I don't awesome. Even, I don't even know how to process uh, what you you're saying to me You shouldn't have to. You should understand why I'm such a weirdo is because well. I grew up in a very... Uh, <laughs> oh, well, there's lots of interesting things. Interesting we'll, environment. There's lots of things I'm sure we'll unpack today. I know, I know. Today but, um, but he was just cheers. great. And <laughs> cheers. We're drinking whiskey shocker. And um, so he, he was just such an interesting guy. He, you know, he taught me all about U.S. history. Mm-hmm. He, we used to do imitations of all the presidents. He taught me all of those. His favorite person was Napoleon Bonaparte, like not dynamite. Which we watched just the other day. Look, it's all coming back. I know. Um, and so like, okay, so I was very close with him. I grew up with him. I was yeah. I was downstairs. He, him and my grandmother, my jidda, my sitha, lived downstairs, grew up with them. And then I remember I was either eight or nine. And it was like one of the nights I was down there hanging out, me and Rocky, my cat, yeah. we were hanging out downstairs, hanging out, just chilling. And I was like, and my mom's like, are right, you going to come upstairs and go to bed? So I was like, okay. And I just got this weird vibe from him. Okay. And I said to him, I was like, Jiddo, don't ever leave me. Like, I need you. And he's like, I'm not going anywhere. Everything's going to be okay. You're going to be okay. And I'm like, okay. But then I, we sat on the steps for like 10 extra minutes before I went upstairs. And we just like talked. But I, it's the first time I ever experienced like having like a weird feeling like something was going to be yeah, like a like a sixth sense, like a or premonition, like, a, a like something bad was going to happen. Feeling, yeah, and I just said to him, I was like, "You you don't leave me," because he was the one that I always went to. Like as yeah. close as I was with my dad, my grandfather was like my thought was the man, and and he took my no matter what I did, always took my side. So the next day was a Wednesday. I went to Catholic school, so we always had a half a day, and it was raining, and I still had my uniform on, and he used to have Jean who was from Jamaica, who used to come in and take care of him several days a week, but mainly she just played with me all day long. We yeah. had the best time. Yeah. And she uh, she had my Barbie walkie-talkie, and she was downstairs looking out the back door, and I was upstairs looking out the window. We were talking on my Barbie, pink Barbie walkie-talkies about how it was raining. Mm-hmm. And it was like sometime in the middle of the afternoon, I was eating a grapefruit, and we had a snap. And my grandfather... Um, had something other than a BB gun in the house and he, he took his own life and he did that because he didn't want to be a burden and he was very sick. And that was the first time, like when I realized everything happened in slow motion, 
And I just remember my mom and my grandmother were like tight, like tight. They took care of everything. There was no like crying and wailing and screaming. Like they threw me in my bedroom and locked me in there. So I was freaking out. Well, okay. So I want to talk about this a little bit, right? Because like I was wondering when this would come up, but I think that's interesting because like the, one of the things that I noticed, well, so there's a couple of things I want to add to this, right? So one, like I, I completely understand you know, not that I didn't understand before, but like for those listening, you know, you always have this thing with like popping like balloons or like things yeah. that pop. And it's just like, don't, don't do that. Like, I yeah. don't, I don't like that sound. Yep. And I mean, clearly the reason why you don't is because of that sound. Right. Yep. And I'm sure that brings back things for you. The other piece of this, which is, I think, interesting observing you and your mother and your grandmother and all of that, they shielded you, at least from my perspective and what I could see, they would shield you from anything that had anything to do with grief. Oh, so whenever anything would happen, they wouldn't like, they wouldn't tell you about it. Like they would. And so, you know, it's weird, right? Like, like, like I get it. You're a young kid. But like at a certain point, like you can't continue to do that because you need to learn how to grow as a person to process grief because it's something you're going to have to process at some point, right? Well, so like one thing after another happened after that. Yeah. That so, was like the, so what? So that was like a chain reaction. It was of a chain things. reaction of events after that. So, okay. so they. All I knew. I don't remember much from that day. Just remember that sound. And then I remember being in my room, like flipping out because they were like, your your grandfather's not here anymore. Your dito's not here. And I remember just screaming and yelling and wailing and like throwing things around my room. How how old were you? I was either in sixth or seventh grade. So like what you were talking like 12 or 13? Not even. No, no, no. I was like nine or 10. Like I was pretty. So that would maybe fifth grade then? Maybe, yeah. Maybe right? fifth grade. Fifth, fourth or fifth grade? That's okay. where it gets fuzzy. I remember yeah. Wednesday, grapefruit, Barbie, It's interesting Jean, the you remember. Yeah. Rain, half day, still have my uniform on. Remember all that stuff, like clear as day, but like what age I was, I don't know. Okay. Um, but I remember like I had time off of school. My parents sent me to my aunt Olga's house and Uncle Herbie. Uh, they were in Brooklyn and they took me in for like almost a week. So I missed the funeral, the wake, the funeral. I went to none of that. I didn't see a a body at a wake until like way later on in life. And so they didn't let me go because I was very close with my grandfather. They, and I, and I was unpredictable. So they didn't know. (laughs) Well, (laughs) right. They didn't know. So I don't know anything of my grandfather's funeral. So I never got to go. And then after that, it was a series of very unfortunate events with cousins, just one bad thing after another, and I don't, I don't remember any of those experiences because I don't, I, I don't think I went to any of them. I, 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 I guarantee you did not. No, I guarantee you did not. I, I had a younger cousin that I was very close with that he like, perished in a car accident, and my, I don't think I was. I don't think I went to that. Like it was so much. And I don't think they really did anything because everything was these terrible things, just one right after another. And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Like it was like a constant. And then the only thing that I can remember is that when I got into my teenage years, a girl in our, the first week that I can remember was in high school, a, uh, 
a girl in our grade, like, passed away in her sleep. She had, like, a, I think she had a asthma or something and she died in her sleep and we and I wasn't really close with her but like I knew her enough you know what I mean like I I was pretty friendly with everybody in high school and so I remember all of us going to her wake and being like oh my god and it, it was the first time like a lot of us saw like a dead body and someone who was our age and that was like hard hitting like it was really scary and like all the potential in the world. And then she was here and then she was gone. And I remember like that being like the first time ever that I just not grief wise, but just dealing with mortality. Like I never got to deal with mortality with my grandfather because I didn't get to really deal with it. And then that happened. So that's what I was going to ask you actually. So do you feel right? Like there could be that like sense of, or lack of, for of closure with that right because like like we do the wakes we do those things right oh, so you can say goodbye right do you have no i'm do you ever no 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 because i had that that last night with him that what i would rather have had that with him i'm um, sure yeah then got to see his body when it happened or during the wake like i had that moment with him that was so comforting and then when we, so when we moved back to my mom's house, mm-hmm. when we had the girls, we lived at my mom's house for about three years downstairs where my grandfather used to live. And I used to sometimes wake up. I have this habit of waking up at like one, two o'clock in the morning. And I used to wake up and I would hear like my grandfather used to drink tea with honey. And I, and he would like, I would hear like when you take the spoon and it clinks against the teacup. Yeah. And there would be times where I would hear that. Yeah, like get out. <laughs> get out. And you would go into the right. I go what into is it like a, the, deep, the deep something. Yeah, and uh, and then my mother would control me. No, yes. I'm just kidding. Wow. <laughs> well, there's a, there's, there's <laughs> a lot to be said, said for that um, too. <laughs> so no. So I'm um, just kidding. Just kidding, Maxie. So anyway, so I'm like, so that that my grandfather was the the first one. And then there was like a ton of things after that. And then, um, you know, and then obviously dealing with 9-11 and that whole day. And then, you know, the whole thing with my dad. So having to go through and watch my dad go through like cancer and. Well, sure. Okay. Well, so. so uh, yeah, let's let's let's, <laughs> you let's want to talk about grief. Let's, well, let's but, back up a second. So, well, I mean, that's. Part of the second question here, right? Or I should say part of the first question, right? The second part of this first thing. But so would you say, like, what is the what is the hardest sorrow that you've gone through? Well, that would be my dad. That's your dad. Okay. That would be my dad. Because yeah. that I watched that whole thing unfurl. I went through the whole thing with him where there was like, hey, all right, you have cancer. Everybody gets cancer. We're going to cure the yeah. cancer. And in yeah. three, three months, I'm not laughing. That's trauma making, making oh, me sure. giggle. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, watching him go from this like lively, funny guy to unconscious and out of it, like just horrible. And then having to, but I think when dealing with grief, I think you need to have people around you that keep you going and I think had I not had you especially with my dad I don't know if I would have been been okay you were like a rock through that whole thing and then having 
my other friends that were there that sure. showed up, like especially at the wake and everything, and just having them be there because my my mom and my grandmother, God rest their soul, they were like a mess. Like all those other times where I saw them like kick into action, yeah, and be like, because I learned from them, like okay, something shitty is happening. You better get your put your big girl panties on, deal with it, and then you can work out the other stuff after. But they were not good with so my dad. It's really. It's not funny that you say that, but it's interesting that you say that because that's one of the things that I most remember about that time with your dad was how much you were like that. You were right. You I like, jumped in. You jumped into action, and you were there. You would talk to the doctors. You would talk to the nurses. You were talking to your dad. You were making sure everything was good for him. And, right. and you were almost, I mean, I think this is, again, this is one of the things that I picked up from your family. Like you, you guys were very good at trying to not talk about the reality of the situation. Oh, well, I was like, other. don't tell my mother what the doctor just said. Right. Yeah. So like you guys never, you guys never Horrible. had like an honest no. conversation no, you about reality is, you is kind of, I guess. That's not how my family rolled. We did not do that. We were, we were good with so many other things in life, but having like actual real conversations about real topics that was not in our genes like yeah. we we didn't do that and so i felt like my my dad always took care of me and it's i used to go to the hospital all the time either i hurt myself or something was wrong and my dad was always taking me to the hospital especially in like in my 20s i was like a mess and he always took me then he always took me to get my car there were times where I'd be too embarrassed to buy tampons. He'd go to CVS and buy them for me. Like, he was so funny. Like, he would just, he always took care of me. And I just felt like, okay, here's where I get to repay I that. To and I got to yeah. be a, you know, an yeah. adult. I have to do some adulting. And my mother, my, just because my mother and grandmother were like, this is the first time I saw them, like, kind of, not hopeless, but they, it was just sad. They were so sad and I didn't want them to bear any more burden yeah. than they had to. Yeah. And I was an adult and I, I wanted to, you know, well, I mean, I'm sure that was, um, very scary for the two of them. This was their guy, right? I, I mean, like he was the one that was doing everything for them, right? My like, dad I mean, basically had a harem. It was like yeah. me and my mother and my grandmother yeah. and we doted on him and the cat. And oh, and the cat, <laughs> and, and a, a kitty, and that was his cat. And so we were like, you know, I mean, he had a good, but he also did good for everybody right, else. Course, you know what yeah. I mean? Like he was like such a good guy. And so I just remember I was reading Watership Down and we took him to the doctor's office. And I remember reading Watership Down in the doctor's office and then when I closed the book and the doctor said soft tissue sarcoma and I was like, what is that? And that was before like the internet really was like, you can Google something. And so we found out some stuff about it. Like it was like, you could still Google stuff, but it wasn't as like the way we there have it now. There wasn't as much information available. Right. And so now, yeah. everything the doctor was telling me, I was like so overwhelmed. And the book already, if you've ever read Watership Down, I mean, that's not a Dr. Seuss book. Like that's a very... There's a, it's There's very a lot heavy. of stuff going on, yeah. And I remember thinking, like, I can't, I'm never going to finish this book now because the information that they were unloading on me, I was like, uh, wow, okay. And that was it. That's when I knew my life was never going to be the same. And that's when my grief kind of kicked in. And I, and I will tell you, like, this is where when you get into simulation and all this craziness, like, I feel like from that point on, I felt like 
I don't know, like I was being punished and I was never going to be able to have a normal mm. life after that. Like anytime I got to a point where I was succeeding at something, the bottom would just fall out on me. So like at that point I had met you, it was a, a good relationship. My job teaching was going really well considering my first day of work ever teaching at a college was on 9-11. So I never got to go to teach my first class that day. But um, I always felt like something always got in the way once I like kind of had my shit together. And so I felt like when I finally was doing good at the college and I had you in my life and everything was kind of working out, then my dad got sick and all this stuff happened and i'm like oh my god how how long were we together when that all went down so we got together like october november kind of official like around the holidays where it was like everything was good and then we were like in it when he got diagnosed which was like april and then may he got really sick so June, so he was in the hospital. A, a, like a handful of months? A handful of months okay. at that point. Yeah. And, then, and he liked you. He didn't oh, like yeah. you. He loved you. Yeah. He, My dad did not like many of my boyfriends. Sorry, guys. But he was not thrilled with many people that I brought home. He used to be like, I got to go to bed. <laughs> he, You know what I mean? He was a very chatty nice guy he was but like dave you want to go to bed <laughs> yeah he would have he would have like i saved you with space we'll watch your honeymooners um but he so quick 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 story when when my dad was actually like we had he was in what was the hospital in brooklyn brookdale he was in brookdale yep. the nurses there shout out to brookdale nurses in brooklyn they were amazing they took care of my dad they like kept him in line but they were awesome and so and then they moved him to an elite, I'm not going to mention it, hospital in New York where he was supposed to get all this care, which he didn't get. And it was garbage. And the doctor just went away and never came back and let my dad just wither away. And uh, so he was like nearing the end. And his doctor and the nurses from Brookdale said, bring him back to us. We're going to take it, not hospice, bring him back to us and we're going to take care of him. And so we paid like, I don't know, hundreds of dollars for this ambulance to take him from point A to point B. And we're, we're, you know, figuring stuff out with the ambulance. And my dad goes, it's not even conscious. Like he was on all sorts of drugs. And he goes, uh, I want to have Dave. Can Dave come with me? Not me, not my mom, not my grandmother. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, which which I'm sure added to the the, the love your mom had for me. My was, mother and my grandmother <laughs> were, were like WTF yeah. with this guy, and so Dave and I got in the ambulance with my dad. My dad was holding his hand, yeah. and Dave is like me sometimes, where we get in a situation and we just make jokes. You got to make the jokes, and Dave's making these jokes, and my dad's like kind of laughing but not really. And he, and he turns to me and he goes, "Oh, this guy sounds like Dave." <laughs> like dad th- that's dave <laughs> okay and then uh you know he perished a few days after that getting him back to brookdale but they treated him like a king when he went there but yeah like he loved you and and that was grief that was grief that was there were days where i would drive my car and think i think i'm gonna to make my brain shut off i'm gonna drive into this tree yeah like yeah it was bad and yeah. i was well I want to talk through some of Not those like different stages, and, and, we'll, and we'll we'll get there. I would say for me, I guess my first 
and so this is where I always have trouble, right? Like yeah, I have trouble. Where's like, your grief? That. Because we don't really talk about. I talk about it freely all yeah. the time. Well, I mean, honestly, like I think so. It's it's one big thing for me. Like like we've had that conversation. Like I'm good. With, I'm okay with death, right? Like because like I've I've already like the story I've told myself and that I accept is that death is the one thing that's going to happen, right? And I think of that whole scenario like of course you're sad when it happens but i think for the most part i think of it as like it's a it's an opportunity to celebrate and appreciate the time that you had with those people right mm, yeah. and and so like so death itself doesn't really cause me grief as much as obviously like just losing someone but i don't think i've ever well so my answer to the question of like what is my first memory of experiencing that is i would have to say my my nana Mm. And it wasn't until I was older and, you know, she was sick. She got cancer. I think she got like, like a throat cancer or something. And so here's what was difficult about it for me was that I never really got a chance. Like I wasn't around it because like I think I was away at school at the time. And so was this college, this was college. Yeah. yeah. So this was college. She got sick. And so then like, you know, I was really close with both my grandmothers. You know that. Yep. We've talked about that and I, and I love my Nana and I was, I didn't know how to be around that situation, meaning. You mean the people that were in the situation you didn't know how to be around or just. Like, I didn't know what to say. So like when I would come home and I would visit her and she was sick and she'd be home, like oh, I never okay. saw her in the hospital or anything like that, but she was, you know, in her bedroom and, and like, maybe I'm going to process it right now. <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, I remember. So my, my grandparents, so, uh, you know, my, my grandfather's room, the back corner, that was my, you know, my grandmother and grandfather's room. They were that couple that slept in separate beds. And so they had the room with the two beds in there. And she was in, her, her bed was typically the first bed. I remember her when I would come to visit and she would be sitting on my grandfather's bed on the other side of the room. And I remember just like she was laying there, not saying much. And, you know, like I would sit there and I would hold her hand. And like, I didn't know what to yeah, say. What are you, you going to talk about? Like, what's and I didn't appropriate? Know what to do, right? Like, and yeah. I just didn't know what to do. And yeah. and very closed, right? Like in, in that sense. And then she died, yeah. right? Like, and so that's like my first memory, I think, of, of dealing with something like that. You know, I, I've said in, in previous episodes, like there are so many times where things happen in my life where I go, I wish my Nana was around to yeah. to at least, you know, to meet you, to see the girls, like all of that stuff. And I feel sad that I didn't have a, or just say to her, like, I love you so much. And thank you for everything. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, because you don't want to make the, the the last conversation with her to be the last conversation like you you go in there hopeful yeah when I but, used then to go, but then i'm listen, sad that i didn't have a last conversation but, but you yeah know? but you yeah. but sometimes you don't get that so when my dad was in the hospital so just to put this in perspective when my dad was in the hospital and they moved him to the one in new york dave used to take a cab from downtown brooklyn to the hospital in new york and the couple of times that he did that, like one time you, one time you did that. And then a couple of times, like you drove me, my mother, and my grandmother in the geo Metro and we go visit my dad and three different things. I remember we'd go, we'd leave and go do something. And then Dave would be with my dad. And one time I remember you 
feeding him. Another mm-hmm. time, I think you helped him shave. Yep. And I think another time you helped him go to the bathroom. Yep. And I remember kind of walking in on that. And I'm like, okay. And I walked out. And I remember <laughs> thinking, yeah. this guy's keeper. And I remember thinking like, wow, that's like amazing. But like those times where my dad was like coherent we ch- I tried to make it like, hey, we're getting out of this instead yeah. of like, this is our last goodbye because you did. That's well, yeah, and not so and then and that was do. also yeah. I know it's not what you want to go, but again, for me, like you know, like our our sensibilities are a lot different in those situations, right. or at least in terms of like how our families de- process and deal with those things. And but I was that's just not like, what they're thinking at the time, Dave. Like your your nana was probably thinking about all the wonderful like oh yeah, the fact no, that no. you were there right then with her. She's probably thinking. This is amazing. Oh, He's here yeah. with me. This yeah. is so good. And remember all these times that we had when he was younger. He's a good little boy. I'm not <laughs> thinking like he didn't say the right thing. Oh to me. no, no, no. I don't. I'm not saying that at all. Right. What I'm saying is, I mean, again, it's it's dealing with the reality of the situation. Right. There was never any of that. But you can't do the coulda, woulda, shoulda. No, 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 no. Of course not. No. There's so because, many of those yeah, I could have done. A, that, that's a rabbit hole. <laughs> right. A horrible rabbit hole. And then you know. And then. You know, there was the times with my grandmother where I'd, I'd go visit her in the hospital. Yeah. And I, because my grandmother, my sitar was constantly in the hospital for something. And then she'd come home like nothing happened. And she'd be smoking cigarettes when she shouldn't. And she's fresh. <laughs> I and remember. She's cooking. So I don't know if I told you this or not. Oh, geez. But there was one time we were at your house. Your grandmother was downstairs. And I don't know what the hell was going on. But I, I went down to like get her or something. And I, and I, I can see your face right now. It was pretty funny. She, she was, she was a firecracker. Your she was definitely a little firecracker. And I like opened the door Fresh. to her room, and she was sitting on her bed, and she was smoking a cigarette. Yep. And I walked in on her, and she goes, "Oh, <laughs> like she, like this, you know that her face that yeah. she makes like the oh. yeah, yeah." <laughs> so she's yeah, and she like put the cigarette down, and like you know the smoke Comes it was like, out the it was side. like like when you catch a teenager, like yep. you know. <laughs> Yep. And she just looked at me and went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and she's like, ah. <laughs> yep. We used to catch her in Atlantic City. You know how many times I would catch her in Atlantic City by the slot machine with the cigarette dangling like out of her mouth. And I'm like, sit there. And she's like, what? And she'd pretend like she didn't have all this. And I was like, I so I would... The, I would call her the dragon because yeah, yeah, yeah. all the smoke would come. And, and then my father would be like, why are you calling her that? I'm like, don't worry about it. My grandma's like, don't fucking say anything. Like she was like, I think I'm slowly turning into her. Your grandmother? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> because I'm like fresh and naughty and like there's no filter. My mom was just kind of mean. Whereas my grandmother was like kind of funny. Like my mom didn't know the difference between. No, you, yeah, your grandmother like was sarcasm funny. Sarcasm and being funny. Whereas my mother would just. Your mother had some funny moments, but she, she was. She did, but. Uh, 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 her. Oof. Sometimes she, was, she could she be was, so she was, she mean. Was she was just nasty. Yeah, she was just nasty. Mean, but like, but it's funny now. But like at the time, you're like, "What, Ma- Max?" But my grandmother would say stuff, and it was, it was fresh, yeah, and uncalled for, but and outrageous funny. sometimes, and, right? But, and but yeah. it was like funny, yeah. and and my dad always got a kick out of her, yeah. and she was a hoot. So, <laughs> but then you know there was a whole thing with my grandmother, and you know, so every time I'd go and visit her, I'd be like, "All right, so I'll see you next week when, you know." When you're out of the hospital. And there was the best story ever is I think it was like 
I don't know, I was in college or whatever, and I was supposed to hang out with my friend George, our friend George, and uh, I said, well, you know, my grandmother's in the hospital. So her nickname, my grandma's name was Nadima, but everybody called her Nettie, but like close people called her Butterball because my grandfather <laughs> was also like very fresh, and my grandmother was a little chunky. You know what I mean? She had some junk in the trunk. She had a cute little pear shape, but she had a little, you know, whatever. And so he used to call it butterball, like the turkey. And so one time, or the chicken, whatever it is, I don't know, whatever. whatever. And so uh, I said to George, I was like, oh, I said, my grandmother's in the hospital. He's like, okay. He's like, well, him and our friend Joe, we're supposed to hang out with them. And they're like, all right, well, well, let's go visit your grandmother. I was like, you want to go to the hospital? And they're like, yeah. So... Me, George, and Joe show up at the hospital to go visit my grandmother. My grandmother's beyond excited mm-hmm. because she just loved when, you know, my my friends showed up. You, yeah. They, they loved big, the attention. Big on the attention. And yeah. George was always good with giving her, you know. And she goes, Did you see did you meet my roommate? And her roommate was Turkey. <laughs> her nickname was Turkey. So it was Butterball and Turkey. I I swear to God I'm not making this up. And I'll never forget that. And George and Joe should like verify this, but <laughs> it was like the funniest night. And it was like a comedy routine with butterball and Turkey. And I'm they were sure. just going back and forth, making jokes. And I'm like, so who had the baster? That's a, that's HIPAA violation. I can't talk about <laughs> okay. it. But anyway, so yeah. Pretty, so it's like, that was pretty quick. I know that was really wow. good. Right. You like that? Well, I, I worked in a doctor's office for like five seconds. So go. anyway, so I'm like, uh, so there was like always that stuff. And you know, I grew up with, my mother was constantly in the hospital as a kid. She always had like back problems or like something. So I was always staying at someone's house. And so I grew up with like all this crazy stuff. Yeah. But like we're get, circling back to the grief thing. I think that really didn't hit until, I mean, 9 11 was pretty horrible. But I think, you know, my dad was like really the first time that I was like, this is real. And I think like, I come to the point where it's like, sometimes you don't, it's so unexpected and you don't know when these things are going to happen. And then I, and my mom passing away and then having to sell the house. Cause that was also like another, I still dream about my house and being able to go in there and. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, let's, 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 let's get, what's the next one? Well, uh, what's the next topic? Well, the, the second part of that first question, right? So my first experience was, was my Nana. Yours was your grandfather. The, the hardest sorrow you've gone through was your dad. Yep. You know, this is interesting to me because I put my mother, right? Because like my mother's, I mean, alive for all I know. But I feel like that's been the hardest one for me to go through because like I, I'm still going through it. Right. Like it's it's constant. It's, it's I think, it, you know, it started at that moment when I, probably realized okay like this isn't going to be the figure that i need in my life right that 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 kind of thing and so i i don't know like i'm gonna stop there because like i want to get into these these questions because like and that's where i'll I'll start to unpack it a little bit right but when you think about you know like how does it feel to kind of go through like the stages of grief right like so there are what like four stages of grief right if you have uh the acceptance or the uh, of the or the reality of the loss right shock that whole thing uh-huh. second is like working through that pain and doing like some catharsis and depression that happens with that and then three adjusting to the environment and just getting used to the fact that that person is no longer there and then fourth like emotionally relocating right or learning to live without the physical presence of the other right so that's the interesting part for me 
is that the different ways that I have found to rebound from the loss of presence. So uh, my dad passed away. Then like shortly after that, we got engaged, then got married, then I got pregnant, then we had the girls early. So everything kind of just spiraled after that. And then I found that the best way to deal with that loss, and, and this is a, a, a recommendation that you I can only tell you to to engage in once you've dealt with the other stages of grief, is to then carry on, if, especially if you lost someone that you feel really close with, is that to carry on traditions and things that made you happy about that person. So my dad was hilarious and goofy and like the party guy and like that this is gonna make me cry it's not losing him it's the fact thinking of like this guy loved to go on vacations and spend money and not to impress people just to make people happy he'd give you the shirt jp i love that shirt boom 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 takes it's your shirt now like and so i try to do that with our girls have fun with them party time as much as I can as much as they're gonna let me do that with them but just and and he was always good to talk with so I try to do that with them yeah I don't know like it's still hard for me he's been gone since 2003 and people ask like oh when does it get better it freaking never gets better I cry all the time (laughs) like there's certain songs like what were we watching Freaking nine nine one one. If you've never if you need a stupid cheesy show that's gonna make you feel sad and happy and stupid at the same time, nine one one and nine one one Lone Star is what you need in mm. your life. It's so dopey. But they make you feel attached to these characters. You meet them in two seconds and all of a sudden you're like, Oh yeah, you're rooting for them. And so they there's like Dock of the Bay. Okay, yeah, yeah. And yeah. landslide. And Summer Wind yep. are three songs that when I hear those songs, I think of, I think of my dad immediately. And what's the Beatles song? There are places. Yes, don't that sing one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that. <laughs> I know, so that's what you haven't been able to do at all. Uh, what is that called, though? I don't remember what the name is. It doesn't is. matter. In my because, lifetime? Yep, don't. Like that? And in my li- in my that life. song doesn't have... In my life, yeah. yeah. In my life is not a song that I had any connection with my dad, but the lyrics are so sad that for some reason, it's just a visceral... I get a visceral reaction. But my dad used to call me... When he was at work, he used to work in Jersey City, and he'd be sitting on the bench, that, which is where he saw 9-11 right, happen. Right. And he would call me up, and when I was at my other job at the uh, bed and breakfast, and he would call me up and be like, Reese, I'm sitting by the dock of the bay, you know. And then he'd sing it, of course. Yeah. Then Landslide, that's another song, it, it, it just makes me cry. It just, the lyrics of that song are yeah. so, I'm so deeply connected, but it just makes me all my eyes out and then every wedding every party summer wind was a song i had with my dad like wherever we were in the at a wedding or at a party and then that song would come on we would find each other on the dance floor and that was our song and so to this day i cannot like even you even know we've been at weddings and they play and i'm like all right i'm out and so yesterday we were watching 911 and they freaking played landslide and I, I had to get up and find something to do if you notice i wasn't there for the whole time while they played that song because i could, first of all the, the scene itself was sad and then they play that song and i'm like why why are you making this worse 
Um, but you know, there's, you don't ever get over it, especially if it's like traumatic because my dad just got sick out of nowhere, like healthy guy. All of a sudden came home from a Christmas party limping. We thought he was drunk, but he had blood clot in his leg. And we just, he's like, I had a couple of glasses of wine and we thought he was drunk. Nope. Had a blood clot in his leg, which turned out to be because of a tumor and the rest is whatever. And so it's like these things just snowball and you, and you gotta just kind of work that. And then, you know, and then more stuff happened after that in my life, like just such craziness. So you either say like, and then we had the girls like two months earlier than we had to. And it's like, well, I can sit and cry about it and freak out or I can just for a couple of seconds be in reality, deal with what I have to deal with. And then you, and then you work on it later on and, and I found a great therapist when we came here <laughs> this therapist that I had told me you can't change people you can't you can't change the minds you can't change their way of thinking or whatever but you can change how you handle the situation and that was I needed someone who I didn't know to tell me that to be like oh my god I can control that yeah and that is the one thing there's so many things in life that you can control but you can control how you handle a situation how you are going to handle it and that's kind of where i've been from that point on all right what's what's another thing we have to talk about well i you know i wanted to talk a little bit about some of these stages though if you if if you wouldn't mind so tell me about i mean what was that moment like for you when your dad passed like when you had to say okay like yeah he's gone do you remember that moment i don't i remember that you and i were at the hospital with him all day and then it was like 12 1 o'clock in the morning and my grandmother and my mother came in to spend time with him at that time and they let us do whatever we wanted at that point at the hospital they weren't like doing hours and we didn't want him to be alone because we didn't know like when it was going to happen and I remember thinking like I didn't want to be there when he passed but I wanted to be there before like with my grandfather because that was more that was comforting to me and so we left and you came back to my house and we were sleeping and my mother called at like four o'clock four o'clock in the morning I'm laughing but you'll see why in a second uh so my mother calls and said all right you you know you're, you're dad passed whatever I said okay you okay yeah all right formalities formalities on the phone and hang up and we're gonna be here and do stuff at the hospital I said okay <laughs> and then George either called me or I called him or something it was like five o'clock in the morning and I said my you know my dad passed away and, and my friend George's dad passed away I think it was I think his dad passed away 10 days after my dad I don't think his dad passed yet he was in the hospital and so so I tell George and George is like I'm, I'm coming over and at the time he was a security guard at Kingsborough and he showed up in his uniform at like 5.30 in the morning, just came straight to my house. I and mean, he was like the best during yeah. that whole thing. And then after my dad passed away, then I went to go visit his dad. His dad asked for me to come to the hospital with like everybody else. And I just thought that that was like such a big thing. And then we we got we went through that together. But I the, the best, this is why you need your friends and people that know you and know how to deal with you is when my dad was being buried and you were you were walking with me and you were holding me up because I was going to pass out because I was so like, this was it. We yeah. were going to go to the burial and this is, and I was trying to keep it together and I was going to pass out and you're holding me up. 
And then George comes and he walks next to me and he grabs my little black purse. <laughs> yeah, And he just grabs it from yeah. me so that I can hold on to you tighter and walks ahead of me. And I just, I'm, I'm, I'm looking down and I'm feeling so terrible and I'm crying and I look up and I see George. And my friend George is, a big, you know, was a big guy. Yeah looking good now and i look over and he's got my little dainty black purse and he's holding it like a little dainty black purse and yeah. walking ahead of me and i just remember hysterical laughing on the way to go bury my dad yeah and that's what i remember and there's nothing inappropriate about that everybody knew why i was laughing oh, and yeah. why that was funny yeah. and it was amazing and i remember the priest at the the church at my dad's funeral talking about how my dad loved sailing this this priest had no idea who my dad was and talked about how my how John loves sailing and everybody's I know we all were kind of like, like looking around like what what are we in the right room sailing? I don't know so you know like you, like now you kind of look at those things you laugh at it but it's like that's grief like grief when you like when you get down to the last part of grief and you can finally like feel you never get over it. But you start to feel okay with being, with like finding things funny or exercising again or driving your car and singing with the radio on or, you know, eating. Like whatever those things are you feel so guilty about because you're in this grief mode. And then you finally get back to just living. And so what I do with the girls is just continue. We talk about Papa John. That's what the girls call him. Um, they never got to know him. I, oh God, he would have been over the moon with them. Sure, they know all these things. They know all about him. His, you know, you ask them a question, they can tell you all about him from what we shared with him. So it's like, no, you don't get over it. It's you're gonna have that grief your whole life. But, and I, I, I feel the same way with my grandmother. I was close with her. I was close. With, look, whatever issues I had with my mother, I was still very close with her. Of and course, I miss were, her yeah. all the time. Yeah. Like Wednesday nights, I used to come out of my class and I would call her up and we would talk about what happened in my, you know, during the week and blah, blah, blah. And Wednesday nights, I always think about calling Maxie and it's been like, what, four or five years. So you don't ever get over grief. You just learn how to manage it. Yeah, so so it's funny that you, you're saying I think that it's now. it's managing it. Because like my, you know, we'll get a surprise question later, right? But like my surprise question for you was going to be like, you know, do you do you ever get over grief? No, and you don't. Yeah, I don't think you you're do. Just, I mean, you just don't. It's just different, right? It's, it's different. like you, it, it may, the immediate impact of it probably lessens, right, over right. time. But then there are moments where something happens that brings back a memory, brings back a thing, and then you relive certain feelings and certain things uh, again in a different way right like and i think it's uh it's a i mean it, it is that right like i mean you get to that yeah, but you, you learn to, to live without that. the physical presence of the right, other right like you, you have you get to allow to that those feelings to happen of course you do and yeah. and let them just come out in the way that they want to come out if you need to cry or punch a wall or eat the cookie or have a little, <laughs> a little drinky poo, not all of the drinky poo, but like a little bit and just allow yourself to have a moment, but then know that, okay, tomorrow I have to get up and take care of myself and my kids and my cat or my dog or my turtle or whatever the frig you have to do yeah. because life goes on and it, and things well, are, that's you know it, what I mean? Right? Life goes on. And I think like, because we had, the girls that gave me 
a little bit more meaning. And meaning can come in different. It doesn't mean children. You have your career. You have all these things that you worked for, you know, my relationship with you. You know what and I that, mean? You don't work on that at uh, all. Well, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, yeah. Well, you, no, we work No, but on you it, put but your... Still. You put your... You find things that take your focus, your energy, so that in, some, in many ways the distractions, right? Like, but hopefully meaningful distractions. Meaningful distractions yeah, because yeah. It, it's certain distractions are not, not, are not good. healthy no, for you. Exactly, yeah. But then I went this past summer, I got two tattoos. I got one of my grandfather wrote in a uh, autograph book that I had. Uh, he wrote me this poem. It's a silly little poem, but he was so funny. And then he signed the poem, not Jiddha, Grandpa, Maurice Karam. Mm-hmm. He signed it his name. So I took the Maurice, because that's what I'm named after, Maurice. They named me Maurisa after him. And so I got his name, his autograph tattooed on my arm. And then um, I had a card that he, he would sign my cards. Either he would sign it Daddy-O or JB to me. Like, I always got a Valentine's gift. That's why the girls, like, every holiday, even Valentine's Day, I go over the top, because my dad used to do that for me, like, yeah. Valentine's Day. So, uh, I always get them, like, all the things. And so, I found a card that he actually sent my mom, and I took his, lo- it said, he wrote, Love JB, and I got that tattooed on my ankle. So, like, I feel like, okay, I got my two guys close to me. And so that's my little, but then I also keep their memory alive by just, and I don't have a lot of pictures of them around the house because I can't, I can't do it. Like, I'm not there yet. Interesting, like, right? Yeah. Pictures and videos. So I, we, I bought a VCR at Savers for $4 that, and it works. And I, put on like videos from me in high school, but I have my sweet 16. I have the backyard parties it has my dad and I'm not ready to watch those, Yeah, but I have like one picture of my dad actually on a boat, which is ironic. Cause he used to go crabbing because he loves with sailing. my uncle. With my uncle. It was definitely Remember not sailing. How much, how much he loves sailing. If he said crabbing, <laughs> I'd be like, Oh, okay. He used to go crabbing, but it's him with his little, his little, uh, what do they call those hats? Skipper cap. Like a skipper cap. Yeah, definitely look like yeah, a, a skipper visor thing, right? What's uh, or, oh, oh, Gilligan, uh, the Gilligan Gilligan's hat. hat. Okay, the, the, yeah, what do they call yeah, those? I know what they call them. The bucket hat. It's like a bucket, like a bucket hat. hat. So yeah. it's him on a on a boat, I guess, like going crabbing with his uncle and, and his brother. Oh, I remember that picture, I think. It's in the living room, in the TV yeah, yeah, room. Yeah. And so it, he's, I love that picture of him. It just yeah. cracks me up. So I have that picture of him. And then I have my grandfather's army picture. And then I have his Napoleon statue that he had. I don't know why he was obsessed with Napoleon. Actually, I was too young to ask why Napoleon, but okay. Well, because he was short. And then his discharge, his uh, uh, honorable discharge from the army. Mm-hmm. I had that up, but like there's some things that are okay and some things that are, I can't. So you do those little things that, that make you happy. That you can, you. and you stay away from the things <laughs> I know, because it, it, I don't need to be crying all the time. Like I have a lump right. in my throat right now. Yeah, like when this right. is done, I'm going to be done. I know, I know. So <laughs> this is a tough episode. Well, well I want to want to talk a little bit about right, like how then you start to deal with these things. And I think you know, I know for me personally, music 
that's where I would start to process feelings, right? And things I was going through. And in, in particular, in some instances, you know, my relationship with my mother and, and, and those things. And I also think acting. Yeah. like And, and theater is a great way to I do that. I have to and tell so, you one thing, like musically and artistically, you're really, really good at drawing from your emotions with certain things and putting it into music either writing music or playing music like that's one thing i think is amazing about you that you do that well thank you i appreciate that but that's how i process that's how you process that's sometimes how i have to work through it emotionally theater as well is a great way like writing for me has been like i you know the i wrote a play and it's definitely about trauma and and my parents and it was a great way for me to get it out. Yeah. Well, that that's so that's the one thing that to me is holding is it good is about the worst thing you can both, do. Both both musically and through theater, right, or acting and, and all of that. Like I think that's the one thing that creates this. Um, I, I've said this to you before, right? But like I I think what's amazing about it is that it creates this safe space to be emotionally vulnerable. And other people can see it and experience it, but you're doing it through the mask of a character. But right? also, people get to see that and connect with oh, it yeah. and say, like, oh, yeah. hey. And have their own catharsis. Exactly. Yeah. And, I, and that's the thing for me that I think is most valuable because you're allowed to have that cathartic moment, again, with a mask, right? It's always funny, right? Because, like, people think acting is about being other people or putting on a mask, right? And the reality is you have a mask on that allows you to be more yourself. Right, it's so funny. That's acting, right? It's not right. being somebody else. Because it's actually finding yourself in these moments and exposing it and being raw to what that emotion because is. Because you're using your own real emotions to... Right. But you're able to do it in a safe space because you have the mask of the character, right? right? Which I think is, I mean, that's the thing that attracted me to it to begin with, right? right. Like, tell me a little bit about, like, for you, like, how do you process things with that? Well, I mean, most of the plays that I've done, I've tried to pull out my own personal issues and extract it and use it on the stage so that I can make real emotional connections. And I I really have to tell you, like taking my my public speaking class to Greece two years ago and learning about even more in depth Greek culture and Greek theater and learning about they, they had a, we went to go visit um, one of the ancient spaces where they had a, a hospital and in the hospital, they did like part of the Olympics where they would do like uh, very vigorous running and, you know, uh, activities to get people to, uh, they felt like exertion and activity was the best way to solve some of the, Issues that, that sure. people had. And then they got to work it out. They work it out. And then you had another part where they would use theater and tragedy and put on plays that would make people who had like mental issues <laughs> relive certain things through watching theater. And then they would just cry and purge those yeah. emo- emotions. And when you think of catharsis, like it's when the person was explaining, the tour guide who was like amazing was explaining about like how these patients would 
feel the sense of this purging of these emotions that they were holding in. And it just all of a sudden created clarity. And I'm like, oh my God, that's, this is theater. Theater is so magical and so amazing in a way where it makes you feel these things that help cleanse you. Well, that's a big thing. bring it up to the surface. Because when you hold that in, yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to get to. It's bad for you. It's so bad for you. You need that ability to process, work through, and let go. But you have to be careful because you don't want to do it. It's all about like the time and the place yeah, and the, finding the right finding the balance right of because that. it's a balance because yeah. if sometimes you open it up and then you can't close it and that's not good either. You know what I mean? Like yeah. And I can only talk about this stuff because of years and years and, and years of just dealing with it and having theater as a way of working through it, you know, and then meeting other people who are in the same situation as me and helping them work through it, you know, and seeing that I'm not the only person who feels this way also is very helpful. And just to kind of backtrack a little bit, (laughs) it's, it's so funny because it's like today I was talking with my sister-in-law about grief and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And we were talking about like, she's had some loss this year. And then we were also talking about the fact that she also lost her cat. And so when you talk about pets, that's a whole other thing so uh 2020 we lost our cat milo and that was really so that was the most recent besides like the whole pandemic and everything just being well yeah whacked well real quickly let me interrupt for a second because like that was one of the things as we were preparing for this too that i thought like i mean like that's a whole other set of thing universal grief that we've all been through right? right because we all had so much loss maybe we should have another episode just on pets yeah, well. And grief could be a little aspect of it because I get very attached to well, yes. my pets. <laughs> you, <laughs> we were all dreading yeah. the moment when we had to hear the news about Milo. Yeah, that was, to... I was not, I was screaming in the parking lot of the. And all I can think of right now is I'm sorry because we just watched the IT crowd the other day and the, the, the episode where the owner of the business, the CEO of the business dies, and then the son, which is it, was his name Richard Barry or something like that? Remember. I yeah, forget uh, what his name is, uh, the actor. But Barry. Barry, something Barry, like that. Yeah. Anyway, he comes in and he's like, Father! <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sorry, is all I can think of is that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but because it's, it's because I was really extreme in the, well, because, you know, it's, he, that was my little baby. Yeah. Like, that was my boy. And, you know, he drove me nuts, but I, and it, that's unexpected. Like that was grief that I'm, I, again, I'm still not over it. That sucked. Yeah. I mean, that's. It sucked. Like 2020 was already bad. And that was like, Hey, you want something worse? Yeah. I mean, that's another one of those situations, right? Where every once in a while it's like, Oh, you miss I know, Milo. I know. Yeah. I know. But oh. then the irony and the simulation is I, I was like, I don't, I don't want another cat. I don't, I'm fine with Peppa. It's, we're just going to, whatever. And then magic appeared. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> magic appeared. Magic poof. appeared. It was a poof of smoke. It's, it's an illusion, <laughs> David. It's an illusion. Uh, but yeah, you know, and so you just, life goes on. And now magic is my, my new, not my new. I'm never going to get it's over that cat. I actually just got a necklace. I treated myself from a birthday. I bought myself a necklace that is a picture like a silver oh, yeah. I forgot picture about that. of i don't have you worn that milo i wore it once or twice and i, I have to tell you, you that. 
I, I wore it. Tw- I, I wore it twice. And both times someone said something about it. And then I started getting upset. <laughs> and, started, and, then, right, yeah. and then I was like, I can't wear this right now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's this cute, adorable. He would always, every time we'd order pizza, he'd sit on the pizza, on the box. pizza box. Like it, it like constant. That's what he did. Yeah. And so I sent I, the person that made it said, send a couple of pictures. And I was like, she's going to pick the one on the pizza box. And of course she did. So I'm like, I'm you know, what's amazing did. is that the picture so you're saying all of this, and I don't mm-hmm. know if you know this or not, but the pictures that we have, that we got of the, you know, them in the the period piece that we have with oh, Milo, yes. Peppa, mm-hmm. and uh, is that Magic, him on the pizza? That's box? That's the picture of him on the pizza box. <laughs> For Christmas, they got me. You can get a a period piece, there a period yeah. painting yeah. of your pet. It's just their head. Yeah, on a on a human, human body. body in these period pieces, these period, period pieces. garb. Yeah, and when I opened it. I laugh cried for <laughs> like yeah it was there was snot I think oh my god awesome. it's still on it's still my uh the picture went on my phone oh yeah that's right yeah uh it was the best gift yeah ever, so but yeah. Uh, so you already answered my surprise question oh, do, do you okay. have a surprise question well, yeah so I'm gonna preface this with I feel that I think everybody needs hard work in their life to make yeah. them a, a strong person I do think people need loss, whether it's a job or someone you love or a relationship. I don't think anything, when things come easy for you, you have no regard or respect for life. That's just me. I just feel like you have to have a struggle. I think Mm -hmm. everybody has to have a struggle and you have to embrace it and acknowledge it and work through it in your own way. And I feel like the grief in my life made me who I am today because I was very spoiled. My parents did shelter me. I mean, I wouldn't have changed anything they did for me because I think they did everything out of pure love. I don't think they were doing that to hurt me in any way. But I feel like these things in my life that were terrible happen because that's how life is. And um, it gave me, like, it, it created who I am today. Who course, I, I, yeah. I'm, a, I'm, I'm a faulted human being, but I think I'm a good person. So my question to you is if you could not have any grief in your life, like if you were given a choice, no grief, and your life will just be happy for the rest of your life, or there might be some grief and it's going to teach you some life lessons and it's going to make you a better person for later on when something might happen. Would you eliminate grief no. from your life? No. I mean, I, no, absolutely not. I, I, you have to deal with and process these things. And I, and I think being able to find that part of me that allows me to, how I mentioned like writing and, and doing creative things is how I can process a lot of these things. Like I wouldn't be able to do that without it. Like I often would also think that if I didn't have those things, I wouldn't have these, for lack of better term, other gifts to offer others. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes, right? that's like, what I, I'm asking. You know, yep. I think, because actually, so like right here, I'll unpack a little bit right now. Like I think one of the things that has always been my MO is how do we make sure everybody's having a good time? And that came from the, you know, being around 
not always having a good time, being right. miserable and, and having that misery in my life and right. and saying like, this is not what I want to be around. And I would much rather enjoy making people laugh and having a good time and hearing laughter, right? Like what, one of the greatest sounds we ever hear is when the girls are laughing, yep. or, you know, or and I love when, the, when I hear them singing or playing music, like yep. all of those things are beautiful sounds to me, even if they're not perfect, right? right. And having that experience makes you appreciate whether it's those to other a, things whether it's to a fault or not has shaped me into being the person that that's what i feel everybody like. enjoys being around that's right like, like like that well. like you know and i think so. that's why you and i get along because i think we have that that mindset yeah as well and that's the only reason why that's my surprise question to you because although i would also add like a part b which would be if you can go back in a time i love the idea of time machines you do going back in time <laughs> i do love that we're so gonna much. go back in, in time. time um <laughs> and so you know and i i go back i think of lost when they got to do the no, I don't because I haven't watched that yet. So, uh, well, you've watched enough of it, but you know that they do like they go back. Yeah, they have the um, things, they go yeah. fast uh, backwards, and so uh, they get to go back and resolve some issues that they had at a certain point. So, uh, put the uh, I'm going to add like a little amendment to that question, which is if okay. you can go back in time and amend that moment with your nana, would mm. you do that? That, would you make it the way it is so it makes you appreciate you know you no know, that moments. One, so so that's interesting that one no i would i would i would have changed how i acted in that moment like how meaning i would have wanted to just vocalize how much she means to me and you don't think that she knew that already i'm sure the fact no. that you were there it's, it's not it's not that she didn't know it it's not okay. that I, it's more you of a you know how it. you know how i am right with people like i'm very i appreciate candor i appreciate i appreciate the relationships whatever they are that you can have with people those are meaningful to me and it's meaningful to me when i can make an impression on someone uh-huh. And it's meaningful to me when someone makes an impression on me. Uh-huh. And anything you can do to share with someone right. to let them know how much they mean to you or the impact they've had, not in a goofy like, oh my God, you know, uh, like fangirl or fanboy kind of way, but and in a real, like, listen, something that you did or the way you've treated me has had made a meaningful impact on me, and I want to thank you for that. Well, that's why I think I, I agree with that, and that's why I think that, it, and I try to instill this with the girls, and they definitely, I see them do it all the time, where if, if you have something positive to say to someone, say it. Yeah. So it, it, even if it's a stranger, and I see them, you know, they talk, I love when they talk about times where they compliment someone. yeah. yeah. In public, who they don't know. Yep. And it just brings a smile to someone's face. And I feel like th- these are the things that I've learned, that these moments are precious, they're quick, they go by fast. Tell those people in this moment that you love them, that you appreciate them. And I think that's what, what all that craziness in my life has taught me, it, especially with grief. Listen, there's going to be so many other things that are going to be going on, and we're just going to deal with them the way we're going to deal. I can't, you know, like five years from now, something else happens. I can't say that I'm going to be 
the same person dealing with grief talking about on a podcast how awesome I am about it. Because I might not be, but yeah, it is what it is. All right. All right, Reese. All right, Dave. David. We did it. We did do it. We talked about grief. I'm going to go cry in the bathroom we're gonna now. Go, we're going to go cry in each other's arms for a while. <laughs> um, thank you for listening and sharing some of this time with us. As always, we're grateful to have you listening. Um, here's the usual spiel. Jump on the email list, subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, give us a rating, let us know what you think. Uh, we're always looking forward to hearing from you. Again, visit the website. You can leave us a voicemail. Let us know what you thought of this episode, if anything uh, uh, related uh, to you here as well. And um, as always, friends, life is a group project. Be kind to each other. Boing! There you go. We got the road.